Hey, Alexa, what crap did John Hicks say this week on the radio? I'm sure I don't want to hear it, but I'm interested to find out. Helping you solve the retirement puzzle. Welcome to The Retirement Solution with John Hicks. Here with John Hicks, I'm Jennifer Perry. We'd love to hear from you here on the Retirement Solution Podcast. You can always drop us an email with any questions for John at retirementsolutionradio.com. And we're looking back over this last year. Things are pretty good with our portfolios right now. However, USA Today, John, says bull markets like this one can actually hide some problems in our portfolio. What could be kind of lurking under the surface there? Well, you know, when a year like 2019, a little bit of an anomaly. Now, let's remember back real quick because I want us to all know why those gains happen. Mm-hmm. At the end of 2018, okay, so we got a full year ago, all of a sudden, remember there was a, a market meltdown in November and December. Right. And Christmas and because Eve was of, really bad. Ooh. Absolutely. Yep. There's whole kinds of problems. People were worried. Maybe there was going to be a recession. We weren't sure. But because of that, at the end of 2018, almost every major analyst and every major corporation reduced their guidance. And what does that mean? It means that they said, oh my goodness, things have already happened. We're not going to make as much money as we thought. Hmm. So in the beginning of 2019, once the, all of a sudden the immediate crazy ended, we had lower numbers. <gasps> what does that mean? We had a lower standard to hit, guys, and we all hit those numbers by the first quarter. So if you look at it, 2019 has been pretty dang good for a lot of folks looking at just the major indexes, uh, the broad markets up over 20%. But here's the crazy thing. By April 1st, almost 17% of those gains were already happened. <gasps> what, John? What are you saying to me? It means that because we revised those numbers down in 2018, the beginning part of 2019 was just getting back to the normal expectation. Hmm. And that's where the majority of the gains happened for the entire year. So when you look at things, that's why they say, hey, look, sometimes when there's a good year like this year, it hides a lot of imperfection, hides a lot of errors, hides a lot of those places where the dirty things can kind of evolve and accumulate and cause big problems. Because this year, as most people look at those normal old mutual fund accounts and they look at those uh, Vanguard or those Fidelity or those Charles Schwab target date funds, everything looks up, right? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But here's the issue. The problems that caused the downturn in 2018 aren't completely absolved. The majority of the gains this year, at least up until April 1st, were just getting back a lot of the losses from the last part of last year. Hmm. So the real question is this, and here's where I go, and I've been saying this for months and months and months, I'm going to keep saying this. I think that the current president will do anything and everything possible to keep the market up going into November if he can. Yeah. It's now, the if for he him, can yeah. part is very important because the Federal Reserve is kind of, we only got a couple little arrows left in that quiver. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go into an all in out war. I'm, I'm thinking about Game of Thrones right now, Jennifer. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw it. No. Uh, I feel a little sad sometimes that it's over now because I did actually watch some of that. But Game of Thrones, very, very brutal. But the whole idea is you don't want to go into the major war and only have a handful of weapons. You'd love to have a whole arsenal of weapons. And the main thing that has kept this market up, at least through this entire year, has been the Federal Reserve. Now, is there growth? Darn straight there's growth. Has the president done some things to deregulate? Darn straight he has. Do we have really good unemployment numbers? Yes, we do. Do we have actual things going on? Are we beating up on China finally to get some of those trade deals where they're not just benefiting us, but benefiting both sides? We are. 
Those are all positive things. Mm -hmm. But having said that, the real reason the market's up this year, and I'm okay if you disagree, but the facts behind it are the Federal Reserve has continued to keep the market up. It's been the backstop. It's been the backstop so that that wild pitch doesn't go completely 500 yards behind us. There's a stopping point. That's been the Fed. And they're at the very end of having the weapons to fight this war. So going into 2020, here's what I want everyone to do. I want you to look at those portfolios and I want you to make sure that there aren't problems lurking. I don't care what you got as a return this year. Hopefully it was really good. But the question is, how much risk do you currently have? Number one, do you have some tax issues that you would love to get rid of at capital gains rate this year? Because that could be a problem lurking. Because if Trump wins next year, we got a few more years of a tax break. Right. If he does not happen to win, and right now that doesn't look likely, but if he doesn't win, you, then you got to start worrying, are they going to change the tax structure immediately? Right. What might that look like? Is it better to get rid of tax gains this year? Year in tax planning is going to be big. Number two, next year is going to be volatile as all get out. We're going to have the entire political sides going wildly against each other. We're going to see the craziest ads we've ever seen before, and everyone's going to call the other side a liar. And we're not going to know what to do. But that makes the market uncertain. And when the market's uncertain, guys, weird things happen. (laughs) And so if you can take some profits off the table this year and feel good about that, you might want to consider it because next year is going to be a little weird. Is it going to be up or down? Who knows? No one has a clue. But here's another thing that we need to consider. So number one, make sure you're you're in tax planning. You're looking at it. Number two, be prepared for next year being very volatile. If you don't like the ups and downs, maybe move some off the table, especially if you had some good gains this year. Number three, you might want to cut some costs. There's mutual funds out there, guys, that people own, and they had a good year. Don't get me wrong, but they're charging three to four times what you could get for an exchange-traded fund or a low-cost index fund. I mean, I'm talking Mm. people are paying 300 to 400% more than they should. Wow. And if you own mutual funds out there, and I don't care the company, it literally doesn't matter to me, there's always an exchange-traded fund that's cheaper. 100% of the time. So because of that, maybe this is that time of year that you say, man, I would like to have a couple more dollars in my pocket. Maybe I should get those extra dollars in my pocket from not paying too much for my investment funds. Mm -hmm. Not a bad idea. And lastly, maybe just like everyone else. And by the way, guys, here's my thought. Towards the end of the year, all these fund managers have these really good gains. They're going to want to lock them in on December 30th. They really are. They're going to want to look at those profits, lock them in so that the beginning of next year, they're starting with a clean slate. Maybe we should consider doing a similar thing. Maybe we should take some of those profits that we weren't expecting. We're happy that we got them and lock them in because next year is going to be strange. If we can get a tax advantage from doing it this year, that's a wonderful thing too. But don't let the fact that we've had a good year cause us to be complacent and to not pay attention because next year, guys, is a completely different year. We hope it's all sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> but to be honest with you, I think that most of us are, should be prepared for a fight. There's going to be a political fight. There may be an economic fight. We don't know. There's probably going to be a, a geopolitical issue with China. We're not sure about that yet. But at the end of the day, when it comes to retirement, who cares about what's going on out there? All that matters is what's going on in your home, in your income. And if we can sustain that, if you can fix that, it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Seeking out the retirement solution that works for you? Seek us out online at retirementsolutionradio.com. I'm wondering, who do you follow when you're trying to figure out where's the best place for people's money, especially those who are getting close to retirement? 
You know, I, I think this is one of those big, uh, I don't know what it is. What would you call it? It's not misinformation, but I think people focus on a lot of the wrong things. You know, I mm-hmm. talk to people all the time. They say, well, I do what Warren Buffett does. And I respectfully say, no, you do not. <laughs> you, you take billions of dollars and buy companies out? No, of nope. course we don't. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at what Warren Buffett actually owns, he doesn't own a singular mutual fund. Literally, guys, not one. Warren Buffett owns zero mutual funds. But I hear this all the time, and it's not our fault. We haven't been told the right thing. But it doesn't matter if you look at a Warren Buffett or if you look at a Carl Icahn or a Ray Dalio, who happens to be one of the greatest hedge fund managers that's ever walked the planet. It doesn't matter if you follow the guys on Shark Tank, you know, uh, no matter who it is. Mark Cuban, who owns the Dallas Mavericks, who's on Shark Tank. Uh, Kevin O'Leary, who, who really has made a fortune since he's been on that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically uh, marketing himself and doing a dang good job at it. Right. But all these people, the the interesting thing is, these are people that have already made it. (laughs) These are people that have already done amazing things and the way that they invest money now is very different than maybe that someone that maybe isn't worth, you know, $20 million or or $100 million or whatever. The oddity of it is, though, when you look at who we should probably be looking at, if we're going to invest our retirement money, though... It's a group of people that we never hear about, Jennifer. And that's the amazing thing to me. Yeah. So when you say, well, John, if I'm going to be a retiree or I'm thinking about retirement and I should follow someone, John, who should I follow? And I'm going to give you some names you never heard of before in your life. Okay. Like David Swinson. (laughs) People are going to go, who the heck is that? I told Cletus this the other week. (laughs) Cletus is like, yeah, I'm thinking about put squirrel in a way a few dollars. Uh... Uh, you know, I might use it to get myself that zero turn lawnmower I'm always talking about, or I might actually squirrel it away for retirement. Who should I look to, to listen to, to get some ideas? And I told him Dave Swenson. He goes, now, I don't know who that feller is. Is he the guy that owns the Tennessee Titans? Because that franchise stinks. I don't want to invest in anything that dude does. I'm like, no, David Swenson, believe it or not, runs the endowment for Yale University. And listen, you don't have to be a Yale fan <laughs> to understand this. I, I certainly am not a Yale sports fan. Right. But as far as following some of the best groups of investors on the planet, Dave Swenson is really one of those guys. And amazingly enough, the, the Yale Endowment does something very similar. And this is why we study this, guys. We study the Yale Endowment for one major reason. They invest a certain amount of money. Now, here's the point. Every year... It doesn't matter if the Yale Endowment makes money or loses money in their portfolio. There's one thing they have to do every year, Jennifer. They got to spend, spend money. money. Yes, every year because <laughs> they got to pay for those institutions too. Darn wow. straight. Yeah, they got to pay for professor salaries. Mm-hmm. They got to pay for professors' pensions. They got to pay for scholarship assistance. They got to stripe those football fields. They have to pay for all of those things that a, a university has to do. Even if their football the, team's not very good, yeah. Even if they stink miserably. Yeah. <laughs> even if they're the worst thing that's ever put a strapped a helmet on. It doesn't make any difference. They have to pay for this stuff, even if they make no money in the portfolio. So if we think about it, what else is more similar to retirement for us? Because we we save this money. We got our 401k. We got our IRAs. We got our savings. And it doesn't matter if we make or lose money in that account that year, right? Often, we got to pull money out to live off of. Still got to spend. Darn straight. We got to pull an income stream or we have to pull required minimum distributions. So in that regard, there is no better group of investors to look at than endowments 
and pension funds and insurance companies. Because insurance companies and pension funds are the same way. Whether they make or lose money, they know they got to spend money every year. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned from all of these groups of people is that they truly know, they don't believe, they know for a fact that losses will destroy their ability to stay retired or in their situation, keep making those payments out. So they're very focused on preservation. Now, having said that, does that mean that they don't do as well as the market? (laughs) Well, see, Jennifer, here's the more interesting thing. When you study these groups, what you find out is they do often better than the broad market. They make more money over full periods of time, more than the S&P 500. But here's the crazy thing. They often do it with less than half of the risk. (gasps) So what better should we study for us to model our behavior in retirement than these types of groups, which right. is what we do. Yeah. So one of the things that we learn from looking at this is what we call, it's technical. So guys, I'm going to geek on you for just a minute. <laughs> I know. Get the glasses know, out. Yep. But, I, but I teach this. I teach this every month that we teach this at the L Shelby campus. I want people to know, you don't have to hire a highfalutin advisor to get a real good rate of return. You don't get to hire a highfalutin advisor to put your life in a better position so that you can live comfortably in retirement. Now, can they do better than you can on your own? Well, it depends. If you want to spend a good amount of time working on this, you absolutely shouldn't have to hire anyone. But if you want a professional to do it, often, in my opinion, they're probably doing something like this. This is why I teach this. It's not because it's my thought. It's what the greatest investors like the Yale Endowment, they've done. But there's three technical indicators they look at. And in my class, I show people how to set this up on their own. It's stockcharts.com. Or if they get an account at TD Ameritrade, you can do it on the Thinkorswim platform. But regardless of that, there are three things that we can all look at. And we call these three things (gasps) the three wise men. Mm. Three wise men. Yeah, Yeah. this makes sense. And I told this to Cletus. He goes, wise men. We talking about uh, Bud, uh, Miller, and Coors. I'm like. (laughs) Not those wise men. Come on. No, no, no. A little bit wiser than that, Cletus. No, but we're talking about there are three different things that we can all look at. And we'll talk about just very quickly. I'm not going to give you the whole nerd talk today. But there are three things that any of us can do to put ourselves in a much better position. Because here's what alerts us to. If all three wise men, which is basically signals, if all three signals are all looking the same way, we want to follow that, just like the wise men followed the star. Now, if only two wise men followed the star, they wouldn't have all gone that way, right? Right. But yes. if all three wise men follow this, see the same light, they want we want to gravitate that way. So those three signs, number one is relative strength. We call this trends. So if you look at relative strength, it's a trend. Basically, is the market generally moving up? Or is it generally moving down? Now, when would you want to be in the market, Jennifer? Do you want to invest in the market when it's going up or when it's basically going down? When it's going up, please. (laughs) So simple enough, simple enough. So the first uh, wise man we look at is relative strength, RSI. And if it's generally trending up, that's a positive thing. That means that that wise man, if the market's generally moving up, then you want to follow that, right? But we still got two more wise men to talk about. So the second wise man in this example is called moving averages. Now, again, if you're not into this stuff, you can kind of tune me out a little bit, but think about what I'm saying, because you're going to get a really good context of what your money manager or your, your financial advisor really should be doing for you. Okay. Moving averages. Are you making higher averages 
or are you overpaying for that stock over history or that mutual fund or that exchange traded fund? You typically want your moving averages, you want short term to be pretty good. Okay. Now, if all of a sudden the general trend of the market is up or of that stock is up and your short term moving average is higher than your long term moving average, both of those are positive. But there's one more wise man to put in here, Jennifer. And okay. I know I'm, 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 people are not going, oh, listen, John, you lost me. When you said three <laughs> wise men seen a direction, I kind of get it. But now you've gotten, now you're talking crazy. Just bear with me one more time because I'm going to put this all together. So the second one was moving average. The third one is MACD. Now, MACD. I know. Now, this is a big one, guys. This is the big one. Now, you're going to want to do some research. But if you actually ever look at your stocks and you really are looking at analysis, you should be aware of your MACD, your moving average convergence, divergence. They call this, guys, the death cross. I know. I got a little geeky for a second, but the reason I'm doing it is because we only have to know three things to potentially avoid absolute catastrophe when it happens in the market. And death cross sounds pretty catastrophic. Correct. (laughs) Correct. So so if the third wise man, you have a death cross, which is where the divergence and the convergence cross these three things, these three signals, if they all look the same direction, you need to pay attention. Hmm. Now, why am I telling us this in retirement? Why am I wasting this airtime? Simply, if you had done this throughout the last 50 years in the S&P 500, you don't have to be diversified. It doesn't matter which fund company you own. As a matter of fact, this is based on the cheapest Vanguard index funds that you could have ever owned for that period of time. If you had done that, your worst year investing would have been down 2.49%. Worst case scenario. That's it. You would have averaged. Here's the big one, though, Jennifer. You would have averaged better than 9.4% on your money and your worst year would have been down less than two and a half. This is if you did it on your own. This is without paying any highfalutin (laughs) advisor. This is without looking at any other nonsense that they talk about on television. Simply understanding how to read a technical chart on what you own based on three simple wise men. And people, I teach people to do this at U of L because I want people to know I teach it for a reason. I'm not selling you me. I'm not selling you my concepts. I'm giving you the best information that anyone could get to put themselves in the right position for retirement, whether they do it on their own or they hire someone out. And one of my biggest things, one of the biggest things I feel like I do for people that take this course is that I give them the ability to feel confident in what they're looking at so they don't stay with a bad advisor and overpay and not get the results they're looking for. No one needs that. If you don't have to have an advisor and you can fire your guy and save yourself 1% or one and a half or 2% a year, then that's great. You're going to have a much better chance of living in retirement. But if you don't want to do it on your own, if you want to hire someone else to do it, I want you to know how you should hire them. And this is one of those simple things that we can all do. If people just follow this one small piece of analysis, Jennifer, they have a really good shot of making it last in retirement, regardless of politics, regardless of what the Democrats do, regardless of if Trump wins another reelection, regardless of what happens. And that, guys, lets you sleep at night, lets you feel empowered, Powered because you have the power to see those things just like your advisor. You don't have to worry about them knowing some crazy special sauce that you don't know. That information is power. Connect with us at retirementsolutionradio.com.
Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if John Hicks is licensed in your state, please call 502-690-5635. J. Hagen Capital Inc. is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through John Hicks, Kentucky Insurance License Number 998827.